G'day, you're watching the online ministry of Inverell Anglican Church. My name is Adam Draycott and welcome. It's great that we can share together. Uh, this ministry has been prepared for the 17th of October and our sentence of scripture comes from Psalm 17 verses 6 and 8. We call upon you, Lord, for you answer us. Incline your ear to us. Hear our words. Keep us as the apple of your eye. Hide us in the shadow of your wings. Let's pray. Almighty and ever-living God, our source of power and inspiration, give us strength and joy in serving you as followers of Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Spotless. 
Greetings from Armidale. I hope this brief message finds you well and persevering in a difficult season in the life of our churches as New South Wales transitions out of lockdown. Now some of you may be wondering what's happening with the next phase conference for those over 50 which was to be held in Armidale on the 5th and 6th of November 2021. The decision was taken early last month by the next phase team to postpone this conference until the 6th and 7th of May 2022. Given that the ongoing COVID limitations would effectively halve the capacity of the conference if held this year, we felt a better and more enjoyable gathering would be achieved in Term 2 next year. Peter Jensen will still be our speaker at that gathering. I caught up with him recently to just ask him why he thought it was important uh, for us to put that new date in our diary. Here's what he said. Why, why do you think people ought to consider coming to this conference? Why do you think it's important? Oh, uh, Rod, it's vastly important uh, because, partly because of the, the era we're living in, uh, where our health is much better and our strength is more and so forth and so on, uh, and we can serve the Lord in ways that to previous generations couldn't. Now, what I want to say to you is that, uh, as Christine and I say each day, what, what, what good works has the Lord prepared for us to walk in today? Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And we just ask ourselves that. Uh, and I am hoping that as a result of this conference, but you don't have to wait for the conference, folks, uh, that people will put themselves forward and just ask themselves, what does the Lord want me to do? And, and particularly, too, around the churches. What, what can we do as a fellowship to get on with the gospel work and ministry? There's mm. great opportunities out there. So it's by activity, uh, by doing great things for the gospel. It's by modelling being a Christian. And, you know, there's, there's wisdom. Believe it or not, I know you don't know this, Rod, but there is wisdom in, in age. And truly, one of the wonders of church is the fact that it's cross-generational. Yeah, I always uh, say to people, ask the question, how can I serve God best with the gifts he's given me in the current season I'm in? And I'm super yes. excited about this conference because it encourages us to ask that question as we come into a period of our lives where we, we have a bit more time. And I, I think that's tremendous, tremendous opportunities. I'm hoping we'll raise up an army of volunteers to see God's kingdom go forward uh, in parishes all around our diocese. But I'm, I'm very grateful to you um, for agreeing to come and speak to us. Um, well, Rod, this business about having more time that you said, that, that's, a typical, that's a typical remark from a younger person. Uh, <laughs> we haven't discovered more time, but I know what you're saying. Yes, you're not so much involved in paid employment and you can use the time that God has given you in all sorts of wonderful ways, family, the church, the community, yeah. and always in prayer. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for agreeing to come. We're looking forward to that conference. Friday the, the um, 6th, Saturday the 7th of May 2022. I can't wait to see you there, and I hope those who are watching this video will be there to join us as well. Thanks very much, Peter. Thank you. Me too. If you're part of our regular St Augustine's mob, uh, g'day.
Uh, remember, as of Wednesday, just gone only 57% of our population have had the double dose. So we understand that will impact uh, church attendances. Uh, some churches, some local churches and in the diocese are not opening during this 70 to 80% window and pragmatically we might have done the same uh, and reverted to online. Um, just want everyone to know some, some people believe it's a gospel issue and so church is going to close because they don't want to have to turn anyone away um, whether we're open or not open we never ever want to turn people away um, prospect isn't exactly new however uh, there's always been potential for that that's what happens when there are restrictions and we've lived with restrictions since February 2020. There's been a litany of them, but we thank God that we've never actually had to turn anyone away. Uh, for example, if someone turned up visibly sick, or if someone refused to check in, or someone's been to a hotspot location, or they refused to wear a face mask, or even if our capacity was maxed and we came close a few times, and now there's a vaccination. Um, we've never had to do it. Uh, we've never had to knowingly do it, and we thank God for that. And uh, we attribute that to the godly response of our parishioners, that despite a range of opinion, uh, we've never been put in that awful position. Uh, so thanks again for being a blessing. Uh, we remember at times like this, gospel ministry doesn't happen in a vacuum. And uh, sadly, turning people away from church can happen and does happen and under the law should even happen sometimes in extraordinary circumstances. Uh, in fact, if you, there's a bundle of instances that can get you kicked out or carried out or kept out if you tried hard enough. And that's irrespective of COVID. Uh, I'm not going to give you any examples, of course, lest some of you get some cheeky ideas. Uh, but nonetheless, this is not an easy time for us. Um, it's the decision of uh, our, our leaders, our wardens, that we continue in this time. Uh, gospel witness is important. Uh, we appreciate uh, the understanding and the consideration that others have given to this. Uh, some have communicated clearly their intentions uh, of not being able to participate uh, and deeply respect that and appreciate the clear and open and honest communication. It's wonderful. Uh, we remember through all of this, uh, much wisdom and grace is needed. The window is small at the moment and we thank God for that too. Uh, and we pray and we remember that the kingdom of God is not about food and in this case it's not about vaccination. Um, we should never make it about that. The kingdom of God is of righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I heard the voice.
come to the ministry of God's Word and our Bible readings today come from Amos chapter 5 verses 6 to 15. Psalm 37 verses 23 to 29 and then verses 37 to 40. And our preaching passage is Romans chapter 12 verses 3 to 13. come to the preaching of God's word let me pray father God we thank you that we can gather this way speak to our hearts by your Holy Spirit we thank you that um, our union in Christ doesn't change on account of our vaccination status or where we are even at the moment or even how we are that we know that we are connected to you through the blood of Jesus uh, that we have the Holy Spirit now speaking to our hearts, growing us, we pray in Christ Jesus. So we ask for your help now as we open up Romans chapter 12. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Individualism is a doctrine that says that the interests of the self, the individual, my interest trumps the interests of everything else. Anyone else and everything else. Uh, you could call it meism or selfism. The individual can become whatever they want. You just, you could be an astronaut if you want. You just got to believe. You could be a soccer player if you want. You could be David Beckham. You could be a YouTube star if you want. Dream big, anything is possible. That's the message of individualism. And of course, don't worry about taking up the family farm. Don't worry about going into the family business or the family trade. You can mould your own future. Don't even worry about the community that you were raised in and adopted you and embraced you. Just pick your own. That's perfectly okay. Such is the way of individualism. Right? My body, my choice. That's individualism. I get to choose gender, sex, death, pregnancy. All of my right and my choice, such is the way of individualism. It makes people more unique, more special, which is kind of ironic because the more unique and special we are, the less we have in common with the people around us. And what rises with individualism? Loneliness. We are in the West... We are some of the loneliest people in the world. Throw in mental health challenges. The Australian Institute of Health and Welfare says 46% of Australians have experienced a mental health disorder in their lifetime. That's one in two. That is a staggering statistic. And of course, added to mental health, throw in rising suicide. Suicide is most common in rich, developed, Western, individualistic uh, countries. And incredibly, it's soon to be sanctioned by the state in some form. So friends, behold the triumph of individualism. Are you cheering right now? But there's an antidote. 
there's a solution. There's a better way, a much better way. And Romans chapter 12 tells us, verse 2 was a verse from last week, Don't, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our minds need to change. Our minds, our consciences, we heard last week, they're far from perfect. Meism, uh, self-love, clouds our ability to make godly decision and choices. Call it sin if you like. But in Christ we can be transformed. That's the good news. But we need to see that such change, such transformation doesn't happen in isolation. It happens in community. Transformation of character happens in relationships with others. The first century Christian will come to Christ, will get dunked, baptised, and immediately will become part of the fellowship, a family, a community of God's people. And so Paul, uh, as Paul starts these directives, notice renewed thinking happens in the new family of the church. Which means, if that is true, don't we need to instill in our children and in new Christians as we disciple them, don't we need to instill in one another the true nature and importance of our church? 100% yes. See, last week when... When I asked you what is true and proper worship, was your answer church? Did you go, mm, it's got to be church? Romans chapter 1 verse 1. What's the answer? I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You see what true and proper worship is? It's not my body, my choice. No, it's to lay it down. It's to surrender to Christ. It's to give your all to him and to serve him and to follow him. There are no lone rangers here, no individualists. No, this is done in community as a church. As a church, we renew our minds. Which brings us to verse 3. For the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Here's a truth our politicians could live by, but really it applies to every place of work or study or recreation or home. Uh, verse 3 is good for our marriages, isn't it? But more particularly, uh, it's primarily about our relationships our interpersonal relationships as brothers and sisters in Christ. This is how we're to relate to one another. And we do it because Jesus did it first, Philippians 2, right? And what is the measure? How are we to think of ourselves as we do that? Well, not more highly than you ought, but what's the measure? It's in accordance with faith. Faith is the measure given to each. Faith which begins how? By seeing oneself rightly. And who are we as we think about who we are? Who are we? Well, verse 1 tells us 
We're recipients of God's mercy. That's who we are. Here is the basis of our faith. It's the standard. The same grace. Something that we all have in common as believers. It's first base. We are recipients of God's mercy. And so verse 3, we are to think of ourselves in accordance with the faith that God has given us. I am, we are, we are all recipients of God's mercy, which means that's the great leveler. It means that no one can think they're better than anyone else. Which, of course, that's exactly what happens when we think faith is a matter of degree. And so the encouragement is, be sensible about how you see yourself and how you think about yourself. We are children of God's mercy. And that therefore encourages a disposition of humility. A disposition of humility. There's another picture here that helps us to encourage uh, that thinking because we're also part of a body. Look at verse 4. For just as each of us have one body and one, uh, many members, and so these members do not all have the same fun function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says something similar about this, uh, beginning at verse 15, if you want to pick that up later. Someone described these verses as, as being a bit like a cake. Need flour for a cake. Maybe you need bicarbonate of soda for a cake. Salt, milk, eggs, butter. Making a cake. Might throw in a few nuts, sprinkle on top. What's a cake without a few nuts? And any one of those things on their own would be boring. But when they're combined and when they're put together and when they're working together, it becomes something something else entirely. And the church family is not unlike this. Even with the nuts. There are many parts. Not all the same. But there is diversity, but also unity. And when we combine, and when we work together, good things happen. Good things happen. For in Christ, though we are many, we are many. We form one body. We all belong to each other. Diversity and unity. And so when Paul says in verse 1 that we're to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, that is not an individual enterprise. We lay ourselves down together as the body, not independence. We are interdependent, which means that we have regard for one another as a church family. It means that what I do as an individual will always impact the life and witness of everybody else, the body, if you like. And so my words and my actions and my thinking my priorities, they, they could have a positive contribution to the body or they could have a negative contribution, a negative impact. And so this makes us accountable to one another 
not unaccountable. I mean, think about it. How does it work for NRL footballers? They're not part of the church, but, you know, the family of the NRL. What they do, their actions, impacts the NRL brand, the NRL family, doesn't it? And, of course, the church is no different. Do we carry a family name? Yes, we do. What's our family name? Now, if you're going to say St. Augustine's or whatever the name of your church is, I'm going to respond and say, well, hang on, family, whose body is it? <laughs> whose body is it? It's the body of Christ, primarily. Uh, when I was in youth group, uh, we got the bus, the church bus, and we drove out one Friday night out to a place called Sadlia, which is in the southwestern suburbs of Sydney. And we stopped at Macca's somewhere for dinner, which is a real treat. And there's a busload of us kids. And uh, the thing with Macca's and burgers and teenagers is mm, it's pickles. Pickles is the great undoing. Because let's face it, I love pickles on my burger, but not everybody else does. And, you know, seeing them on the trays and on the tables, it's a bit gross. Uh, and being a youth group and young and silly, these pickle pieces, they ended up becoming mm, missiles. Missiles. And uh, a food fight unfolded. I mean, who hasn't been to Macca's and found pickles uh, on the table or on the seating? Or it's, you look at the glass window and see if someone's flicked their pickle at the window and it sticks. And you've got to get a, chi a, a chisel out or a scrape at it to get the thing off. It's gross. We got back on the bus and uh, our pastor, his name was Al, and he says, guys, we're supposed to be a Christian youth group. Who's going to clean up your mess? Look, they're cleaning up your mess. You could see in the, in the shop. There they are, mopping up everything because we trash the place. Windows, tables, floor. And he goes, yeah, well, Good one. Well done. You've just dragged the name of Jesus through the mud. Wow. Too right we had. Now what follows is a gift list. And what are gifts for? Well, they're, good. they're for using and applying. They're for, the, they're for the body. And whose body? It's the body of Christ, remember. And the gifts serve the body of believers. And about these gift lists, you might be in Ephesians 4 or 1 Corinthians 12. Just remember when you read a gift list in the Bible, they're not identical. Um, and because they're not identical, you can't take one list and say it's the be-all and end-all. But they do show, they de demonstrate that God's gifts are diverse. They're not static. And that different gifts serve different seasons of ministry for the building up of Christ's church. And so what about this list? Well, I don't know. Did you see anything got you excited? Look at verse 6. It mentions prophecy. Or verse 7, there's serving. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, teach. Encouragement. Um, give encouragement. Giving. Give generously. Lead. Do it diligently. Showing mercy. Which one grabs you? And you might be wondering what prophecy is. A real quick word about prophecy. I asked my wife, Tanya, Hey, what's a prophet? And she said, it's 
We just sell something and make money. If only it was that easy. Uh, what is New Testament prophecy? Uh, I'm just going to put it out there and say, I think it's a deep spiritual insight into the revelation of God already received. So prophecy is the word of God, but it's not a new revelation because that would imply that we'd have to write it down and stick it into our Bibles, mightn't it? I think it's an insight, an application of what's already revealed in God's word. It's not additional to. It's to have your Bible open, the scriptures, and to talk about the implications going forward. Uh, the, uh, the scriptures describe prophecy as being spontaneous and encouraging and edifying. And sometimes preaching can have a prophetic edge to it or a really good Bible study meeting. Why isn't it a thing these days? Well, maybe we're wary of what it raises. Maybe because prophecy back in the day used to be weighed and tested by the elders, which would be really awkward if you said something and they, and they did this. That'd be terrible. And because it's tested and weighed by the elders, it's not on the same par as the scriptures. God's revealed word. I hope that makes sense. We move on. We see these gifts serve the body. They serve the local church. So they're serving and ministering. Some Christians um, give of themselves for others to the glory of God. That's what serving or ministry is. And it's for everybody. Teaching is particularly the passing on of this apostolic truth of God's word, I think. Encouragement is the it's it's uh, someone who exhorts people and encourages people to live out the gospel faith to keep going. Giving is literally the one who shares. Leading, think elders, overseers, and mercy. We must know what that is. And again, I want to ask which which gift resonates with you. And if they resonate. Notice the attitude that goes with them. See the adverbs. Giving, give generously. Don't be stingy. Don't do it for self-attention. Leading, do it diligently. Don't be a slacker. Apply yourself. Mercy, don't be begrudging. Do it cheerfully. And here is more renewed thinking in relation to church. And so our thinking has got to be sober. It's got to be realistic. It's got to be humble, verse 3. It's going to be measured according to faith in view of God's mercy, remember. It's got to be about the body. It's going to be gifts are going to be exercised in a joyous, self-effacing way. And underscoring all of this is, of course, love, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And so there must be nothing fake or false about love. There are no pretenses, uh, nothing soppy, uh, nothing that's undiscerning in its affirmations. You don't smother people. No, it's sincere, which means it's measured. And it clings to good. And it affirms the good. And actually, love disapproves of evil. 
verse 10, we're to be devoted to one another. Verse 11, never lack zeal, but keep spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. So see that zeal and service are inseparable twins. We serve Christ. See that we're driven by the Spirit. Here is the fruit of our spiritual fervor. And so verse 12, we're joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Serving the Lord feeds our zeal. And so to prayer feeds our joy and perseverance. And this is part of what it means to be a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, verse 1. I know I didn't mention hospitality, but it's there. It's a thing. As God has been generous to us, we show generosity to others. As God welcomes us to his table, we open up our table to others. And so, friends, do we see that the church is good news for the lonely and the outcast? The church is a sanctuary for the confused and lost individualist. There's much scope and opportunity that lies before us in our witness. We have much to offer as community, as recipients of God's mercy. Romans chapter 1 verse 25 says, Worshipping idols is a great lie. And in this age, worshipping the God of self is the great apostasy. The best friend one can have is the one who urges, urges us away from self-seeking idolatry. The best friend one can have is the one who pries us away from this individualism that corrupts and poisons our hearts. It's the friend who reminds us that we are living sacrifices. That as servants we're called to serve. And when we serve as part of the body, it clearly shows that our identity is in our Saviour Christ who first served us. This is our reasonable, appropriate, intelligent response to the mercy of God. This, brothers and sisters, is our true and proper worship.
please make sure you spend some time in prayer. There's much for us to be praying about. Have a time of thanksgiving. Make a list of things that you're thankful for. Uh, come to God with petitions. Uh, pray for the sick, the lonely, the outcast, uh, those that are struggling at the moment, those that are grieving. Pray about COVID. Make sure you pray in light of what we've read and shared together. That's a must do. So read over the text and find things to thank God for and to pray about in the text. Uh, remember communion. If you're not with us here at St Augustine's, there are those blue cards. Uh, work through that with whomever you're with and do it all to the glory of God. God bless you.